And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today, September the 14th, <clears throat> this is the 801st show of my, uh, well, since I moved to the uh, internet, uh, that's with 100 shows per season, I'm starting my ninth season. I've been doing a show since the uh, late 1980s. Started out in California. As I say, today, September the 14th, 257th day of the year, 108 days until the year is over with. Holidays and observances. Somebody asked me why I do these because <clears throat> people sent me emails asking me to do them. It's National Rosa Tequila Day. Are you okay day? Death of Prophet Muhammad day. Honoring the uh, teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. Godstopper day. National Coloring day. You know, the largest recipient of Alzheimer's drugs in the country is the Congressional Pharmacy. We should also send them coloring books and crayons. Uh, National Creamfield Donut Day, National Eat a Hoagie Day, National Food is Medicine Day. And don't believe that really because I tried to deduct that as a uh, medical expense and the IRS said no. National Live Creative Day, National Noel Day, National School Picture Day, National Sober Day, and National Virginia Day. The... Uh, commemorate everything that has happened in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, that's where my family started out in uh, 1607. The family estate is still there. Alrighty. In AD 81, Domitian becomes emperor of the Roman Empire for the death of his brother Titus. 629, emperor... Heraclius uh, enters Constantinople in triumph after his victory over the Persian Empire. 786, Night of the Three Caliphs. Harun al Rashid becomes the Abbasid Caliph on the death of his brother Al Hadi. And the birth of Harun's son, Al Mamun, uh, was also on this date. 919, Battle of Islandbridge. High King. The Al Gyundub is killed while reading an Irish coalition against the Vikings of UMR led by King Sithric Kh. 1180, Genpai War, Battle of Ishibashiyama in Japan. 1226, the first recorded instance of the Catholic practice of perpetual Eucharistic adoration formally begins in Avignon, France. 1402, Battle of Hamildon Hill results in English victory over Scotland. 1607, flight of the earls from Lothlily, Donegal, Ireland. 1682, Bishop Gore School, one of the oldest schools in Wales, is founded. 1723, Grandmaster Antonio Manuel de Vahena lays down the first stone of Fort Mansell in Malta. 
1741, George Frederick Handel completes his oratorial Messiah. 1752, British Empire adopts the Gregorian calendar, skipping 11 days. Uh, it went from September 7th to September 14th when they made the switch. 1763, Seneca warriors defeat British forces at the Battle of Devil's Hole during Pontiac's War. 1782, American Revolutionary War. Review of the French troops under General Rochambeau by General George Washington at Verplank Point in New York. 1791, the Papal State loses Avignon to revolutionary France. Papal States used to be a separate country. 1808, Finnish War. Russians defeat the Swedes at the Battle of Ravias. 1812, Napoleonic Wars. The French Grand Army enters Moscow. Fire of Moscow begins as soon as Russian troops leave the city. Suspicious, don't you think? 1814, Battle of the Baltimore. The poem Defense of Fort McHenry is written by Francis Scott Key on this date. Poems later used as the lyrics of the Star Spangled Banner, which the left wants to eradicate. 18, I just did uh, a major sporting event where they played the, what was called the, uh, the Black Lives Matter anthem. 1829, the Ottoman Empire signs the Treaty of Adrianople with Russia, ending the Russo-Turkish War. 1846, Jang Bahadur and his brothers massacre about 40 members of the Nepalese uh, palace court. 1862, American Civil War, Battle of South Mountain, part of the Maryland campaign is fought on this date. 1901, President McKinley dies after being wounded on September 6th by anarchist Leon and is succeeded by Vice President Theodore Roosevelt. 1911, Russian Premier Pyotr Stoypin is shot by Dmitry Bogrov while attending a performance of Rimsky-Korsakov's uh, The Tale of the Tsar Sultan of uh, Saltan uh, at the Kiev Opera House in the presence of Tsar Nicholas II. 1914, HMAS-AE-1, the Royal Australian Navy's first submarine, is lost at sea with all hands near East New Britain, Papua New Guinea. In 1917, the Russian Empire is formally replaced by the Russian Republic. That was after the overthrow of the Tsar. 1936, Raoul Villain assassinated the French socialist Jean Jaurès, himself killed by Spanish Republicans in the visa. 1939, World War II, the Estonian military boards the Polish submarine ORP Orzel in Tallinn, sparking a diplomatic incident that the Soviet Union later used to justify the annexation of Estonia. 1940, massacre, the Hungarian army, supported by local Hungarians, killed 158 Romanian uh, citizens um, or civilians in Ip Salaj, a village in northern Transylvania. It was an act of what was called ethnic cleansing. 1943, World War II, the Wehrmacht starts a three-day retaliatory operation targeting several Greek villages in the region of Vianos, whose death toll would eventually exceed 500. 1944, World War II, Maastricht becomes the first Dutch city to be liberated by Allied forces. 1948, Indian Army captures the city of uh, Aurangabad as part of Operation Polo. 1954, in a top-secret nuclear test, the Soviet uh, Tu-4 bomber drops a 40-kiloton atomic weapon just north of 
Tatsukoi Village. 1958, the first two German post-war rockets designed by German engineer Ernst Mohr reached the upper atmosphere. 1960, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, that's OPEC, don't you know, is founded. 1960, Congo crisis. Mobutu Sese Seiko ceases power in a military coup, suspending parliament and the Constitution. 1975, the first American saint, Elizabeth Ann Seton, is canonized by Pope Paul VI. 1979, Afghan leader Nur Mohammed Taraki is assassinated by the order of uh, Hafizullah Amin, who becomes the new general secretary of the People's Democratic Party. If it says Peoples and Democrat in the same title, you're looking at a communist-led uh, country. 1982, President-elect of Lebanon, Bashir Gamayel is assassinated. 1984, Joe Kittinger becomes the first person to fly a gas balloon alone across the Atlantic Ocean. 1985, Penang Bridge, the longest bridge in Malaysia, connecting the island of Penang to the mainland, opens to traffic. 1989, the standard Gavuri shooting where Joseph Wisbecker, a 47-year-old press man, killed eight people and injured 12 others at his former workplace, uh, Standard uh, Gravuri, uh, before committing suicide. 1992, the Constitutional Court of Bosnia and Herzegovina declares the breakaway Croatian Republic of Herz-Bosnia to be illegal. That's one way to end the war. Send the police in to arrest them. Though these days you would send unarmed social workers. Uh, 1993, Lufthansa Flight 2904 and Airbus A320 crashes into an embankment after overshooting the runway at the International Airport, uh, killing two people. 1994, the rest of the Major League Baseball season is canceled because of a strike. 1997, 81 killed his five bogeys of the Amabandad Hawa Express plunge into uh, a river in uh, the Laspur district of Madhya Pradesh, India. Um, 1998, telecommunication companies, MCI Communications and WorldCom complete their $37 billion merger to form MCI WorldCom. 1999, Kiribati, Nauru, and Tonga join the United Nations. 2000, Microsoft releases Windows Me. 2001, a historic National Prayer Service held at Washington National Cathedral for victims of the September 11th uh, attacks. A similar service is held in Canada on Parliament Hill, largest vigil ever held in the nation's capital. 2002, a total Linhas Aerios Flight 5561 crashes near uh, Paranapanema, Brazil, killing both pilots. 2003, in a referendum, Estonia approves joining the European Union. 2003, Bissau, Guinea President uh, Kumba Ilala is ousted from power in a bloodless military coup led by General Verissimo Correla Sibra. 2007, financial crisis of 2007. The Northern Rock Bank experiences the first bank run in the UK in 150 years. 2008, Aeroflight Flight 821, a Boeing 737-500, crashes into a section of the Trans-Siberian Railway while on approach to 
Perm International Airport in Perm, Russia. Killed all 88 people on board. 2015, the first observation of gravitational waves is made. Announced by the LIGO and Virgo collaborations on uh, February 11, 2016. 2019, Yemen's Houthi rebels claim responsibility for an attack on Saudi Arabian oil facilities. And 2022, the death of Queen Elizabeth. Queen's coffin is taken from Buckingham Palace, placed on a gun carriage of the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery, moved in a procession to Westminster Hall for her lying in state over the next four days, with a queue of uh, mourners stretching for miles along the River Thames. Well, you know, that is, uh, interestingly enough, the... Um, the historical news. There's other news that I want to address. You know, our current administration um, is doing everything it can to make itself look like idiots. The press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked a straightforward question about the Biden scandal. And... Uh, she ignored the questions. A reporter shouted out a question regarding uh, President Biden's potential involvement in son Hunter's foreign business deals, and she absolutely refused to answer. She repeatedly insisted the House Republicans have provided no evidence uh, because they've started an impeachment move. But that was the same thing said about President Trump when they impeached, tried to impeach him twice. Uh, then we got the Democratic governor of uh, New Mexico trying to overrule the Constitution, uh, the Second Amendment. Um, and she can't understand why she's not being cheered. We've got Massachusetts who has uh, deployed the National Guard to deal with the migrant crisis. And yet they don't understand why Texas is upset that they're floating across the border. Um, the White House sent out a letter to the media uh, calling any discussion of Biden's impeachment inquiry outrageous. In other words, shut up. They want the, the media to increase their scrutiny of House Republicans. And yet, when the move was made to impeach President uh, Trump, anything the White House said that would tend to quail investigation was treated as somehow almost treasonous. And then the Democrats have uh, got a, what they call a democratic operative targeting families of lawmakers and investigating the Bidens. Uh, Long-time Democratic operatives and activists said he'll be investigating the families of Republican lawmakers. 
Uh, name is David Brock. Democratic activist and president of Facts First USA told uh, a news source that the gloves are off, families are on. We've been looking into how the children of uh, people who have uh, called into question the Biden activities, they're going to look at how the children of those same members benefited from their parents' positions. I think um, they would literally do anything they can to protect Biden and some of his silliness. Um, there was a uh, news conference, and the president was asked, point blank, about the impeachment inquiry, and he stared off into the distance, refused to answer, whispered to his wife, who was sitting beside him, she pulls his strings, don't you know? And then he got up and walked out. Refused to answer. These are the people who literally had a meltdown when they didn't get the answers they wanted from President Trump and his people. <sighs> and... Uh, you know, we've got the Hollywood strikers who are just having a cow because certain celebrities are putting their shows back on. Free country, don't you know? We've got school boards. Um, making decisions regarding the flying of flags. And they said only the U.S. flag and the state flag. And there are people having meltdowns over that. They want the LGBTFYZ flag and the Black Lives Matter flag and all these other flags. And nobody seems to see anything wrong with that. Um, you know, we literally, we got the inmates running the asylum. Um, some of those same people worship Barack Obama as if he's a, a god come to earth. And uh, he's trying to make the entire world U.S. citizens under his DACA program, and a judge has just said, no, not going to happen. DACA's illegal. The uh, U.S. district judge, appointed by President Obama, said his decision that on July 16, 2021, the court vacated the DACA program which prohibited the U.S., its departments, agencies, officers, agents, and employees from granting new DAPLA applications and administering the program. That program is vacated, and the Department of Homeland Security is enjoined for implementing it. But it was done by Obama, so it has to be right, because he can do no wrong. It's just, it's silly. Supposedly, he's somehow above the law because he is black. 
I don't care if you're purple. If you're elected to a position of authority, you need to do what's best for the people who elected you. Not what you personally believe, but what's best for everybody concerned. And we've got censorship like we've never had. You can't say anything that would tend to call into question. Um, our current administration because somehow that's illegal um, we've got the platforms on the internet uh, coming up with new algorithms if you don't say what they want you to say you can be banned I've been banned from uh, Facebook because I wasn't liberal enough well, I calls it like I sees it. If you don't like it, don't listen. But instead, I'm banned. And my wife was banned because she's my wife. And she's one of the most liberal people on the planet. Um, we got the U.S., uh, the U.N., I'm sorry, um, trying to mess in internal affairs. They've declared the U.S.-Mexico border the world's deadliest land migration route. If it's illegal to come here without following the rules, then you've assumed the risk. Um, in regard to the new election coming up, it was just discovered in the last few days that all the electronic uh, voting machines in the agreement that put them into uh, operation, the elections can be uh, overturned by election officials. What happened to the will of the people? And in the face of a federal court that says DACA is illegal, we got the Department of Homeland Security feeling over freeing over 60,000 border crossers into American towns every month that comes. If you want to be above the law, be from another country. We're under the Trump administration, it was America first. Under the Biden administration, it's America last. And I don't you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been, uh, except when I wanted to vote for Kinky Friedman, a supporter of the Democratic Party. But not anymore, because the Democratic Party doesn't support me. I'm a disabled veteran. We don't count. We've got people who live along the border having their property overrun by undocumented immigrants, and that's okay. Somehow their rights are more important than the rights of an American citizen. And the number of migrants is increasing. There are entire sections of Mexico that have very few people in them because they've all tried to come here.
And that auto workers are going on strike because they feel abandoned by the Democrats. We've got um, John Kerry flying around the world talking about uh, global warming and nobody should air airplanes except him and the other special people. We've we just, we just got some absolutely insane people. And, and the government goes of its way to cover up a lot of the excesses. But a gig, who spends most of his time off the ground in an airplane, that's being covered up. Because it's not official business. Quite often it's he, his husband, and his kid. We got Jesse Smollett going back to court appealing his conviction that he lied about a racist MAGA attack. That's a make make America great again. He thought if he he did this, apparently his career would go up. It didn't. Now he's unhappy. We've got uh, Democratic candidates putting out sex tapes, and that's okay. We got Newsom, who thinks he's a king. It's just unbelievable. And the thing that offends me the most is the efforts of the powers that be to try to cover all this up. That is not what this country is about. Um, we've got George Soros pouring money into the elections of various attorney generals who immediately decriminalize everything they can. I don't understand. If you commit a crime, be prepared to pay the time, but not today. You commit a crime, you can run for office after that. And then we got Washington, D.C. Attorney General Brian Swab bypassing the district's uh, crime rate to spend office resources on investigating the Federal Society Leo, uh, Leonard Leo. He was influential in the nomination of all of former President Trump's Supreme Court justices. What happened to fighting crime? It's just unbelievable. And when you try to investigate somebody like President Biden for um, improper conduct, the same things that they wanted to hang President Trump for, they're celebrating with President Biden. elected officials kicked out of various uh, public events because they don't follow the party line. Lauren Boebert kicked out of Beetlejuice Musical in Denver 
She caused the disturbance just by being there. You got Joy Behar and her view compatriots complaining that the MAGA Republicans are in sync with the most evil person in the world. Who is she to decide and use her platform to put out information that would get anybody else prosecuted for slander? It's, it just boggles the mind that uh, all this is accepted. I mean, even something as I guess the word is limited is the Native American group that campaigned to rename the Redskins. It turns out it, they were funded by George Soros. What right does Soros have to get involved in the politics of this country? Other than the fact that he's a billionaire and he has money to throw around. It's just fascinating that people actually put up with all this. We've got books um, in school libraries that any student can check out that in any bookstore would be considered X-rated. But that's okay. Because we have to teach trans to our seven and eight-year-olds What business is it of the schools? If your son wants to be a son and your daughter wants to be a daughter, as opposed to vice versa. Well, it's just fascinating. Well, I've had my few minutes of rant. We're going to go back and talk about uh, we got floods in Libya, thousands of thousands of people missing, and they're more concerned about politics. And anybody associated with President Trump is being indicted by Jack Smith. And quite often they're not federal crimes, and he's a federal, uh, federal special prosecutor using federal funds. And on the, the so-called uh, revolt that took place January 6th, the doors were thrown open by the Capitol Police. Let's... If we're going to prosecute somebody, let's do it for a crime. Let's not waste money like the many millions of dollars investigating President Trump over something paid for by Hillary Clinton. Now, let's uh, 
Let's go talk about more historical unsolved mysteries. And there's many, many things that um, we don't have the answers to. And instead of doing something constructive, we're off tilting at windmills. They make Don Quixote look like Einstein. Well, one of the things that has been a major mystery throughout history has been the lost city of Atlantis. One of the most enduring mysteries of human civilization. A fabled place of legend and wonder that captivated the imagination of many, many people for centuries. But the question is, did it ever exist? Plato, in 360 B.C., claimed the lost civilization of Atlantis had existed for 9,000 years before his own era. A distant, mysterious time shrouded in myth and legend. According to uh, Plato's um, dialogues, Timaeus and Curtius, Atlantis was an incredibly advanced and beautiful city. Layout was concentric with alternating rings of water and land. Blue water surrounded the city along with intricate and ornate architecture, towering temples, majestic statues. city of Atlantis supposedly even boasted the ability to harness the power of the sun using crystals. We do the same thing today. It's called solar power. The inhabitants were described as technologically advanced. Had a great naval power. The city was said to be a utopia, or at least it came to be seen as one, thanks to Ignatius Donnelly, a former U.S. congressman, who, uh, rather than spend his time in Congress, at least he did something constructive. He went to the Library of Congress and using information he found there, published a book in 1882 called Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, leading into the view of Atlantis as a paradise. If a lot of our current elected officials would do something constructive rather than sit there and pontificate, it'd be a whole lot better. The mythology describes the inhabitants of Atlantis as being demigods, half human and half God, because Poseidon fell in love with a human named Cleito, made the sanctuary for her and had demigod children. God supposedly started intermingling with humans, and according to legend, demigods inhabiting Atlantis became greedy and unruly. As a result, the gods overseeing Atlantis punished them with earthquakes, fires, and floods that caused the island to sink. Supposedly in a single day and a single night, the island of Atlantis vanished into the depths of the sea. Whether it's myth or reality, the location of Atlantis remains a mystery. And there's no real consensus among scholars and researchers even regarding the probable hypothetical location. Now, the Atlantic Ocean is considered a likely spot where the lost city of Atlantis could reside. Uh... Athanasius Kircher, a notable German Jesuit scholar and highly respected figure of his era, placed Atlantis in the center of the Atlantic Ocean on an incredibly detailed map created in the 1660s. One of the oldest maps with Atlantis' supposed location marked on it. Other theories suggested it might have been located in the Mediterranean near the Azores Islands or 
Spain. Others propose that it may have been situated in the uh, Caribbean. Some have even speculated Atlantis could have been located in Antarctica. Plato depicted Atlantis in his literary works as a island exceeding the size of Libya and Asia combined, situated in the Atlantic beyond the Pillars of Hercules. Uh, that's a site which is widely believed uh, to be the Strait of Gibraltar. Island of that size should have left some indication of its existence, but uh, if you follow Plato's uh, vague clues, you'll come up empty-handed. Pick a spot on the map, and somebody said Atlantis was in that location, according to New York State Museum history curator Charles Orser. Despite numerous efforts to locate this lost city, no definitive evidence has ever been found to support any of these theories. And there have been no other mentions of Atlantis in any of the uh, known historical texts prior to Plato. There's been a lot of debate on as to whether Atlantis was a real island at all, or simply just a figment of a fertile imagination. Now, there are plenty of true believers out there. Most scientists and interested parties don't consider it to have ever really existed. When you sit in your ivory tower and pontificate on your belief of how the world is supposed to work, it's easy to, to just discount something. Uh... According to Discover Magazine, the consensus seems to be Plato's Atlantis story wasn't a typical work of historical fiction, but an intricate allegory that aimed to express his philosophical beliefs about the innate harm of aggressive imperialism. Now, there are many who have tried to equate uh, this um, aggressive imperialism with policies of the United States, but you're going to find that in almost every country. Uh, according to the narrative, the mythical series, city served as a foil for an idealized version of Athens that existed centuries before Plato's time. By contrasting the two societies, Plato painted a vivid picture of the potential consequences of political corruption and unchecked power. To Plato, Atlantis was more than just a cautionary tale. It was a metaphorical representation of his deeply held beliefs about society and government. And by using this lost symbolization as a literary device, Plato was able to convey his warnings of these dangers and the importance of leading with wisdom and virtue. He's dealing with a number of issues and themes that ran throughout his work, according to James Rahm, a professor of classics at Bard College. Now, it's been my experience over many, many years that if you want to get something totally convoluted and screwed up, listen to um, professors because they all have their idealistic view of how the world's supposed to be and if somebody just put them in charge they'd fix all the problems overnight even Aristotle highly respected philosopher and student of Plato was not among its believers he dismissed the story of Atlantis as a pure fantasy citing the fantastical details presented in Plato's uh, dialogues as evidence of its fictional nature well, while the legend of Atlantis may be a compelling story, it's also not supported by the geological realities of the Earth's crust. That's according to archaeology professor Ken Fetter in his book called Encyclopedia of Dubious Archaeology. Theory of Plate Teutonics, which explains how the Earth's continents move over time, demonstrates that the existence of Atlantis was impossible. 
I've also read a, a very detailed study that showed that the bumblebee can't fly. Of course, anybody who's ever wandered around a garden and had flowers in it knows that nobody told the bumblebee. As the continents drifted apart, the ocean floor spread, not contracted, leaving no space for an entire island to sink beneath the waves. While the Earth's crust is in a constant state of flux, with new landforms emerging and old ones disappearing over time, the movement of the continents is gradual and slow. The idea that a large landmass like Atlantis could sink in a single catastrophic event is unsupported by any evidence, even if it's supposedly the result of a brutal punishment sent by displeased gods. Now, the Disney. There was a uh, work called Atlantis, The Lost Empire, a Disney animated classic, and took us on an excited adventure as we followed a young linguist and cartographer named Milo Thatch, who dreams of following in his grandfather's footsteps and discovering the legendary lost city of Atlantis. And he's given the opportunity of a lifetime when he's recruited by eccentric millionaire Preston Whitmore to join a team of experts on a expedition to find Atlantis in a high-tech submarine. The team includes a tough female mechanic, a wacky demolitions expert, a young doctor, and a seasoned explorer named Commander Rourke, who along the way they face a lot of challenges, including dangerous sea creatures, treacherous terrain, and fierce enemies, but they still manage to find the city against all odds. And they meet the peaceful Atlantean people and learn about their advanced technology and rich history. Well, another view of this work is it's not just a fun animated adventure. It's a great way to inspire kids' curiosity and spark an interest in history and archaeology and the mysteries of the past. The problem is, no matter what uh, theory a child may develop, there's always somebody willing to shoot it down in the interest of political correctness, don't you know? Political correctness uh, in its current form uh, was given a lot of impetus by Hillary Clinton uh, because you must use the right pronouns and you must say the right things. And if you don't, you can be prosecuted. You can you lose your right to freedom because you offend someone else. Or you can lose your job for not using the right pronouns. There are those that say they have a right to be whatever they want to be. And they do. I don't question that. But you don't have the right to enforce on me your beliefs. I have the right to my beliefs unless you're somehow better than I am because you're a transgender or a, a believe that you are a... Uh, there was one gentleman I heard uh, arguing on television. He said... Uh, it was in regard to the, um, the male who identified as a female, so he entered uh, women's... Um, swimming and someone else said well if you believe that you are a female 
I believe I'm a jack-o'-lantern. And you don't have the right to say I'm not. And that approach is true. If I grant you the right to be whatever you want to be, you have to let me be what I want to be. And unfortunately, so many people have a problem with that. Well, we're going to turn from that to cryptic codes from history. You know, the past is desperate to speak to us. There's no question about that. We just don't know what it's saying. You know, history holds a lot of secrets that remain frustratingly under lock and key. Many have tried and failed to decipher uh, these uh, messages from long ago in civilizations, the cryptic messages left behind by our ancestors who walked our same grounds hundreds and thousands of years ago. You know, some of the messages are huge, like the prehistoric uh, Paracas uh, candelabra geoglyphs carved into the Peruvian desert. Well, the Nazca lines, you can see uh, covering over 200 square miles that can only be fully appreciated from the air. Now, why do something that can only be seen if you have technology in order to fly? Then other codes are relatively small, individual monuments, inscriptions, and manuscripts containing uh, sadly indecipherable writings and symbols such as the Sehuit monolith of the Voynich Manuscript, or Easter Island's forgotten language, Rangorongo, which remains largely undeciphered, Gobekli Tepe, the world's first temple, according to Smithsonian Magazine, was erected long before prehistoric people supposedly had the use of metal tools. So how it was done may be contained within codes on its walls, but there's nobody left alive to interpret it. We've got many mysteries we should be looking at as opposed to, well, I identify as a turnip. And you have to forgive me. Having lived 70 years on this world with the understanding there are males and females and suddenly finding out all this time there were there was a third or a fourth or a fifth gender. Just absolutely fascinating. How did these people become so brilliant they could recognize other genders when I couldn't. Well, let's start out talking about the Nazca lines. I was in South America. I heard a lot about it when I was there. You know, Peru's the place to be if you love a good mystery. It's home to the famous Nazca lines that span across an enormous area of about 200 square miles. There are massive human-made drawings formed in the earth. Some depict various animal shapes, such as a pelican, a monkey, or a killer whale, or a spider. And each of these drawings are hundreds of feet across. Likely made by removing the iron oxide-coated stones covering the desert surface, building the lighter colored ground underneath. These geoglyphs created with unbelievable precision to, to uh, create incredibly straight lines over a long distance that can really be seen only when soaring through the sky in an aircraft begs the question, how did their ancient creators ever appreciate or utilize these creations? And for what purpose were they created? 
Scholars have studied the Nazca Lines for decades and have come up with a few different possible explanations, including ones related to a religious or spiritual purpose. That's usually the fallback position. If you can't come up with any other idea, well, it was done for a religious purpose. And we don't have the right to question the religious beliefs of whoever. Well, if you want to have your rights protected to the point of people pulling guns, be a minority with a little hell belief and somebody's willing to shoot others to protect your belief. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Others suggest that the, these, the Nazca lines may have been created for more practical reasons, serving as markers for underground water sources or as boundary lines. The Nazca lines consist of basic geometric patterns such as rectangles and triangles and trapezoids and straight lines and swirls. And certain swirls and zigzags begin to take on recognizable forms such as a flower or a lizard or a dog. Some speculate alien visitors are in some way responsible for these geoglyphs, but their most likely creators were the, according to the History Channel and the Ivory Tower scientists, were the Nazca culture, which emerged about 100 B.C. and thrived until 700 A.D., when, like so many others, it vanished. It's possible some were crafted by earlier cultures, such as the Chauvin or the Paraca civilizations, and they more than 2,000 years old. And though they've been studied for more than 80 years, their purposes are still a mystery. Well, even more mysterious than the Nazca lines was the, uh, the perplexing Paracas Candelabra. Uh, what's been referred to as a luminous link to a lost civilization in Peru. If you arrive at P Peru's Paracas Peninsula, located in Pisco Bay and in Impressive geoglyph grabs your attention immediately. This enormous artwork, skillfully etched into the landscape, uh, hardened soil, was carefully placed uh, rocks outlining the edges of an imposing form. The Paracas Candelabra gets its name from its unique shape resembling a candle holder. Others call it a trident, but uh, this three-pronged figure measures almost 600 feet from top to bottom and it's dug about two feet into the ground. The design's been roughly dated to about 200 B.C. according to the Atlas Obscura through radiocarbon dating of artifacts found nearby. Though this only provides a, an approximate estimate as to the age of the structure itself, many believe the geograph might actually be much older. Despite being a well-known feature for centuries, the original creators and fundamental purpose of this symbol is still a mystery because the massive image can only be seen from as far away as 12 miles out at sea. It's long been hypothesized that the geograph was once employed as some sort of navigation tool. Alternative theory, according to Earthly Mission, points out that the design also resembles the a hallucinogenic jimson weed plant, suggesting it perhaps in, uh, instead holds rituals, uh, ritualistic significance. We come back again to the fallback position. It's got a religious purpose. Research continues today, but the true purpose and meaning behind this uh, ancient depiction could ultimately be beyond the grasp of modern understanding because nobody knows anything at all 
really, about the Paracas um, civilization. Well, let's talk about the Bolivia's Sahama lines. They're ancient crisscrossing lines in the Andes. Crossing uh, across western Bolivia's high plain, uh, highland plains uh, is a complex network of crisscrossing straight paths known as the Sahama Lines. Researchers discovered thousands of them spanning about uh, 8,696 square miles. According to the publication Historic Mysteries, these enigmatic lines uh, across the Altiplano could date back 3,000 years but remain unknown to the modern world until the beginning of the 20th century. Of course, this does make some of us wonder what else may lie beneath our feet waiting to be discovered. And from the ground, the Sahama lines simply look like the areas that uh, have been cleared of brush, but from a hill or looking down from the sky, if you were flying, true craftsmanship comes into full view. And these long lines are created through the art of scraping away the oxidized rock and soil on the out the plano surface, unveiling the lighter substances uh, beneath. They don't reveal any great mystery, simply long, straight lines created with almost compulsive precision, which must have been particularly difficult across the areas of regular topography and natural obstacles. So the question becomes, who actually made these lines and why'd they do it? Well, nobody knows, which is part of what makes them so fascinating. It likely took several generations to complete this marvel. The Tuanaku culture, who furnished in the, flourished in the vicinity of Lake uh, Titicaca from 300 to 1000 AD, have been proposed by numerous researchers as possible creators of these lines. Um, the lines, particularly those stretching out from a central point, are more than just an intriguing enigma. They might hold the key to understanding ancient civilizations. Some researchers believe that these... Uh, Radial centers could have been important cultural sites for the Tiwanaku people, serving as shrines and burial towers and even towns, according to an online publication, Amusing Planet. Theory suggests that these lines could have been used by indigenous people to navigate their way across uh, uh, large areas during sacred pilgrimages, but the exact truth is not known. But there's plenty of avatar scientists ready to pontificate well, on that note, we close the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk again about the strange and the unusual. And I maybe I'll run again. Till then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.